0: Drivers, start your engines!
1: It's time for the fastest hour of radio, Southern Race Week, with your host, William Barber. All right, welcome into this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network at Southie. Once again, filling in for a WB, who's a little bit under the weather, just not feeling well but he is improving getting better and we're hoping he'll be well enough to join us on the program next week and make his long-awaited return to uh, southern race week radio but he is doing well he texted me the other day uh just discussing what he wanted to do do for the show this week because he was planning on coming back but uh, he just wasn't feeling well so he decided to take another week which i'm totally cool with i just want him to be ready healthy, and back on the program as soon as he possibly can. So, uh, William, if you're out there listening, uh, get better, buddy. And we hope to see you on the program next week here on Southern Race Week Radio. And, of course, uh, sit back and relax. We've got a great program for you this week. We're going to cover everything in the world of racing, NHRA, IndyCar, NASCAR. We cover it all for you here on Southern Race Week Radio. And uh, don't forget – about our social media platforms. That's right. You can follow and like Southern Race Week Radio on Facebook. You can like us at facebook.com slash southernraceweek or follow us on Twitter at SRW Radio, and you'll always get your latest racing news and information there on our Facebook page, our Twitter page as well. And don't forget about the email address. Uh, Feel free to email out to us anytime. Let us know what you think about the program, any suggestions. Maybe you're an up-and-coming driver and like to be featured on Southern Race Week Radio. Well, we would love to hear from you as well. So uh, reach out to us anytime via the email at srwradio at yahoo.com. That is srwradio at yahoo.com. But uh, just sit back and relax. Get set to enjoy another great broadcast of Southern Race Week Radio. In just moments, we will wrap up the weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as we had a doubleheader weekend with IndyCar and NASCAR. And we will talk IndyCar with the pit reporter for Indy coverage on NBC. Good friend of the show, Kevin Lee, will join us to uh, bring us results of Indy and also other great tidbits of IndyCar news and information that you can use. And then following him, we will hear from director of operations for the Car Tour series, Keely Dubinsky. And then we'll wrap things up with a short track driver who made her debut Also at Indianapolis uh, in the ARCA series, she made her debut, and that is Mandy Chick. So we'll talk to her later on in the broadcast as well. So as I mentioned, sit back, relax, get set to enjoy another great week of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio network, and also here on the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. Hey everyone, this is Anthony Alfredo, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio network. It's Alfie, continuing on with this brand-new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. It's both NASCAR and IndyCar or at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway last weekend. And to recap all the action from the IndyCar series at Indy, we welcome in a pit reporter for IndyCar coverage on the National Broadcasting Company as well as Peacock. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in Mr. Kevin Lee, Mr. Lee. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us yet again this week on Southern Race Week Radio. Thank you so much for taking the time, and hopefully you're having a great day today, my friend.
0: So if you have three guests, do you have to do that three times per show? (laughs) Uh,
1: Yes, I do. Oh, boy. I know. It it takes a lot (laughs) of out of me, but luckily I have a whole week to recover and prepare. I drink. Okay. You know, I drink tea. Okay. I, I gargle some water. So I feel good. So thank you. Thank you. Good. For, well, thank you. You're the first <laughs> guest who's ever asked and, and, and was concerned about my voice. So thank you, sir. Really appreciate it. That's why you're such a great friend of the show and love having you on because you really care well, about good. how I'm, I'm doing.
0: I'm drinking my cup of tea right now.
1: <laughs> well, uh, you were definitely using your voice uh, this past weekend. You are at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, a doubleheader weekend with uh, NASCAR and Indy, which I find to be... Uh, very excited. I kind of enjoy watching IndyCar Series and NASCAR. What are your thoughts on that doubleheader weekend with NASCAR and IndyCar in the same venue on the same weekend?
0: It had been kind of tossed around as an idea for a while, and I don't think NASCAR had a whole lot of interest in it. And so it it came about simply because of need during the pandemic, and also because when Roger Penske bought the place, he's just got a little more clout to get things going. So people tend to listen to him. So that's how it happened in 20 and it continued in 21 and 22. And, and it is good. Um, I think the drivers like to have the opportunity race car drivers are fans of everything. It's it's the fans that seem to be somewhat territorial of us versus them and you know I think the drivers are trying to move past that. I I know the shared broadcast partner NBC is trying to get everyone to move past that. In reality the best way to grow the audience whether it's NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula 1, NHRA whatever is within the fan base of other motorsports fans. The chances of getting a nascar fan to watch indycar or vice versa is greater than saying getting an nfl fan Uh, so that's kind of the idea behind this to kind of expose it you know for indycar it works well that it's economical many of the teams are based here the series owns the tracks it's good for the broadcast partner they can basically do a two for one on costs with a nascar and an indycar race the same weekend so i i think that's why there's energy and enthusiasm for that to continue. It'd be great to happen one other place at some point.
1: Now NASCAR recently announced that they're going to be doing a street course race in Chicago in July of next year. What are your thoughts of NASCAR going to the streets of Chicago to race for the first time ever?
0: Now it's challenging and it's expensive and it's difficult to make the event last because of all the hoops you have to go through and oftentimes these get shut down before they even happen. The list is long of events and street races that have been announced that never happened, even if well-attended, don't last long. Baltimore comes to mind. It was a fantastic event, massive crowds, but it was so expensive, and there were government changes that eventually got the plug pulled. Uh, You can go and find uh, an announcement of a chicago indycar race in 1981 i think it was and there are pictures of rick Mears and his car and it was going to happen in basically the same location the same weekend that they're talking about for nascar in 1982 and it never happened so i think the nascar race will happen but nothing's ever a hundred percent because the aldermen have their hands out uh and, and it's going to be challenging but in theory it's a great idea because what you're doing is you're bringing the event to the people race tracks sometimes are in the middle of nowhere and it's hard to convince people that where you want to be for a weekend a street race you're right there and it's instant promotion too because people see in the week or two leading up to the race what's going on why are they building this here and there's your publicity for the event so i think it can do well and good NASCAR for being will, willing to try something different. Like
1: you said, this cost a lot of money to put together. Could you see sometime down the road maybe IndyCar and NASCAR hooking up on a street course race together to help and alleviate maybe some of the cost of that?
0: I would think so. I would think IndyCar would be interested in that. I'm not sure if NASCAR is, and one reason is because they already have an entity that they own that they could partner within, IMSA which is not IndyCar racing, but it's road racing, and it's more uh, high-tech cars, and it's road racing specialists. And IMSA is going to be a part of this weekend. They haven't announced if it's the top series. That'll be confirmed actually on Friday at the state of the uh, series address at Road America for IMSA's weekend. I think there's a chance that it's not the top weather tech series, that it's more of a Ford series. You know, the other challenge is I don't know about paddock space, if that's limited. So all of those factors have to come in because you're working with a smaller footprint when you're doing a street race. The original rumor, I I heard about this well over a year ago about NASCAR coming to Chicago, and I was told IndyCar could be a part of it. So maybe that's a discussion for, for somewhere down the road.
1: Speaking with Kevin Lee, pit reporter for IndyCar Coverage on NBC, and let's talk about the action last weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as Alexander Rossi came away with a checkered flag. Uh, what did you take away, and what were your thoughts of the action from the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway last weekend?
0: Well, Rossi was desperately in need of a win. It had been over three years since he had won. He had plenty of times, but one thing or another goes wrong, and he hadn't gotten to victory lane. And in this case, he he got the win because his teammate had the uh, mechanical grimm. Colton Hurdle looked like he was in charge of the race, but coasted to a stop, oh, about just around halfway through the race. And and Rossi might have gotten him, but it would have been difficult. But it it was a good race. I wouldn't say it was a great race, but there's always things happening. And mostly it's for Rossi, who's, you know, as good as you're going to find, that hasn't won in three years. Be able to to get a win. A lot of the drama in IndyCar is really kind of off the track, just like in Formula One, with uh, multiple teams claiming uh, the same driver and silly season and everything going on in that regard but as far as a race weekend it was a good event it was a fun time
1: now for me as a fan of motorsports i've never heard anything about this and i really wanted to get your insight on this because i was trying to read the story and, and keep up with this but chip Ganassi racing and alex palau are going through this uh, massive uh, situation right now lawsuits are being flown around comments and thoughts are being floated around and you're on the ground you're kind of in the know of what's going on with the situation so for maybe some of our listeners who are not following IndyCar or might not know about the situation. Could you break down what's going on between Chip Ganassi Racing and Alex Palau?
0: So it's convoluted. Uh, Alex Palau won the championship last year in his first year with Chip Ganassi Racing in his second year in the series. So he did a rookie season with Dale Coyne Racing. Uh, Like many young drivers, he brought the budget, got the ride, did okay. I think finished 16th or 18th in points, And then when a ride late opened up uh, at Chip Ganassi Racing, he was a bit of a surprise hire for that job. So he likely had to sign the type of contract that favored Chip Ganassi because he didn't have a lot of options. So generally that includes team options to keep the driver for a multitude of years. So he wins the championship. Palo is then probably thinking, I should get paid a little bit more, not rookie scale, and I think the Ganassi might have been, no, you signed a contract. We have you for a little while. We'll talk later. At that time, apparently, McLaren and Zach Brown reaches out for interest, and Palo says, yes, I'm available. So there's an option in there, and we haven't seen the terms of this contract. So we're going by a he said, she said situation at this point. Ganassi, uh, about a month or so ago, maybe less than, announces that they've exercised the option and Palo will drive the car next year. Four hours later, Pillow tweets, I did not agree to the release. I did not include the quote that was in the release. And I'm moving on. Ten minutes later, McLaren announces that they've signed Alex Pillow to a vague contract, not saying what series he would race in, whether it be Formula One or IndyCar for next year. Now it's in court. Lawyers involved. Same thing is happening in Formula One, also likely involving McLaren. Over an open seat at Alpine over Oscar Piastri, who Alpine, and this is getting convoluted, would like to replace Fernando Alonso. So it is a uh, tangled web we weave right now in motorsport.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding right there. This sounds like something like Judge Judy could handle and take care of, I feel like, it would be a and little bit quicker.
0: Other drivers are waiting. Felix Rosenquist <laughs> wow. is in that seat in Errol McLaren. He, he has uh, signed for next year but doesn't know whether he's driving an IndyCar car. Or in Formula E because it depends on what happens with flow.
1: Well, this seems like a very, very, uh, very complex situation. So, of course, we'll keep our listeners covered, and I'm sure you'll keep giving us updates as well. And if our listeners do want to keep up with this story or anything else going on in the world of IndyCar, where can they go to keep up, follow along with you and and also and also, please let's talk about your podcast as well uh, that you do on the weekly basis as well, sir.
0: So first, Peacock, NBC, all the IndyCar practices are. Peacock. It's the premium level. It's five bucks a month. You get all the practices, live races, replays, and so forth. I do a podcast called Track with Kurt And Kevin Lee, you can find that on iTunes. And My Twitter is at Kevin Lee 23
1: Hey, it's Austin Hill, driving the number 21 Camaro for Richard Childress Racing,
0: and you're listening to Southern Race Week.
1: All right, welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio Network. It's Alfie, continuing on with this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio along with the Southern Race Week Radio podcast. And a very busy weekend for the Cars Tour Series last weekend, and also great events coming up in the series as well, and to break down everything that goes on in the Cars Tour Series, let welcome in via the Food Depot Zoom line from her beautiful plush home somewhere in the United States of America. We don't want to give a, a give away the location, of course. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in the Director of Operations for the Cars Tour Series. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Miss Keely Dobinsky! Thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week here on Southern Race 3, Grady, hopefully you have recovered from a great weekend last weekend at the Hickory Motor Speedway for the Throwback Weekend, and we really appreciate you taking the time to join us, and, and welcome back to the program as well, my friend.
2: Absolutely. It's good to be back. I'm excited to, to chat with you today.
1: Well, Keely, I know uh, last weekend was one of the crown jewel events of the Cars Tour Series, your annual Throwback Weekend. So many classic uh, paint schemes, so many classic cars, and it's a great opportunity to remember the past of the sport which is always a lot of fun to do. I know rain had a little bit of a damper on on some of the weekend events, but you were able to have uh, run some of the programs and some of the races. And I'm sure the crowd there was very appreciative of what they got to see. So uh, from your perspective, tell us a little bit about uh, the weekend itself and and tell us a little bit about the crowd, because I'm sure the, the crowd was just pumped and excited. And I'm sure you had a full house there at Hickory Motor Speedway.
2: We did. You know, we uh, we were expecting a little bit more and, you know, we had a lot of fans messaging on the socials, like, we're scared of rain, we're scared of rain. So, But I'll tell you what, the, the grandstands were still full. Um, the fans were really excited when they got there and actually saw the fan zone. Um, you know, I think at one point, Carson Quapel went up there and dunked Bobby McCarty and so stuff like that was just really fun. We had a DJ up there, the boats overall it you know it was a great weekend naturally the throwback is is chaotic for us on our side but i think 32 paint schemes um that it just it just brought back so many memories for so many people
1: now when people go to these events or even some of the drivers themselves who show up and to participate don't understand the process and what goes on behind the scenes i mean for you guys as you said putting this whole event together that's a lot of work that you guys got to do behind the scenes to be able to put something like this together
2: Yes. And I'll tell you what, I could not have done it without the help of Mamba Media. Carson Ella just leading that account. And if she was on it all weekend, you know, like her and I kind of teamed up with Peyton Ward, also our social girl and just us three girls running around in heels because we dressed up as the Hearst girls this weekend. So we did all of that in heels all weekend.
1: <laughs> but that must be cool in the sense that, you know, obviously you guys are NASCAR. You're not this big promotion, but you're a little promotion where you kind of, do different, you know, like you say, wear different hats and do different things. So as for you, who's someone who's kind of learning the business, learning the industry, how essential is it for you to kind of learn uh, multitasking, do other tasks to make sure that you can put an event together that's going to not only draw the attention of the fans, but also to be able to put on a great event?
2: So, you know, one thing I've learned is, especially, you know, after this weekend is you can only control the things that you can control, you know? So um, we had to wear... I I specifically, too, had to wear so many different hats this weekend and, um, you know, stay calm and collected through the whole thing because, like I said before, there was so much going on. But we just really wanted to give the fans something different this year, you know, something bigger and better. And, um, you know, we had special guests out there like Carrie Earnhardt, Fatback McSwain, uh, Shauna Robinson, Jeremy Mayfield, Glenn Jarrett. We had so many. So things like that make us realize, okay, all of this work is worth it.
1: Speaking of the Director of Operations for the Car Tour Series, Keely Dubinsky here on uh, this week's edition of uh, Southern Race Week Radio. And uh, Keely, uh we all know about the big, uh, the, the renovations that are going on at North Wilkesboro Speedway. And uh, I think a lot of NASCAR fans and a lot of racing fans are excited for racing to return to that amazing venue. And you're one of those series that has an opportunity to be a part of this revival uh, race series that is going on at North Wilkesboro as the Cars Tour Series will be making a stop there. How exciting is that for you to have your series, uh, amongst all the many series that probably would love to be able to run an event in North Wellsboro Yours, one of those series that will be participating and racing there. How exciting for you as one of the big kind of uh, big cats there who are running this thing to be able to race there and put this event together?
2: You know, it's, it's been a really neat experience because it's different. Like the the idea of a revival – Um, I didn't realize how like sentimental it was going to be for everybody, and including myself. I knew it would be, but just like watching it come back to life, I went yesterday um, just to you know have a couple meetings and look around, and I'm gonna go back for the modifieds tonight because it was just I can't even explain the feeling that you got when you walked in there, you know. And there's and there's people in our series that that still own cars like Dennis Setzer and um, even like you know Travis Quaple. Like for them. Too, I, I don't know. It's it's just it's so sentimental, and you know we're just blessed to be a part of it. We have a lot of cool things that we're working on for that event, and unfortunately we had to set the late model field due to the tire shortage. But um, we are we are gonna have a show for everybody.
1: To tell you how big of this event's gonna be in your series, Dale Earnhardt Jr. will be participating. He's gonna be driving a, a, the green and yellow tribute scheme, the number three car from his 1993. Uh, season. So that's a pretty big deal. So how is it like knowing that Dale Jr. is going to be participating in your Cars Tour Series event? And not only that, maybe bringing some more eyeballs to your series as well.
2: Well, that, that's the thing is, you know, Dale and his sun drop car and racing with us. That is so, so cool from the series point. But then also like he's going out of his way to promote it and promote the series as well. And I think that that's really cool because you know, there's a lot of guys, uh, you know, in the upper three levels of, of NASCAR right now that don't necessarily pay attention to the, the short track racing because they don't realize that we are breeding that next, that next level, you know? And so for someone like Dale Jr. to come in and spend his time helping us for the betterment of short track racing and driver development as a whole, I think that's, that's the biggest blessing to us.
1: And it's going to be very exciting. This event will be, like I said, North Wilkesboro Speedway. It'll be August 31st. And I'm sure tickets are still available for this event, that uh, that uh, for that Cars Tour Series event. So if our listeners want to get their hands on tickets or maybe get information about what's going on with the Cars Tour Series, how can they go, go about getting information?
2: We have a banner on um, our website, carsracingtour.com. And then also North Wilkesboro um, Racetrack Revival on their website. You can purchase tickets, but I would purchase them fast because they are going quick.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, Akili Dominski, who is the director of operations for the Cars Tour Series, we really appreciate taking the time to join us this year on a Southern Race Street Radio. Good luck to you as you get closer and closer to that North Willsboro's date. And hopefully we, uh, keep contact with you and you can keep us up to date on what's going on in the car tour series.
2: Absolutely. We can't wait to see everybody there, including y'all. And uh, let's, let's go have some fun. Hey listeners, this is Jamie little from NASCAR on Fox and you're listening to Southern race week.
1: All right. Welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern race week radio for you along the far flung Southern race week radio network. It's Southie continuing on with this week's edition of Southern race week radio, along with the Southern race week radio podcast. And we're very honored and privileged to welcome in our next guest here via the food depot, Hotline. She was in action this past weekend at, in Indianapolis for her first ever Arca Menard Series race, and she made her debut last Friday night during the Rhesus 200. She's joining us here to break down all the excitement of her first Arca Menard Series race and also introduce herself to the Southern Race Week Radio audience. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in Miss Mandy. Miss Chick, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week on the Southern Race Radio. You. Hopefully you're having a great day today, my friend.
3: Yes, thanks for having me on this show.
1: Oh, no, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, <laughs> uh, join us. You had a very exciting weekend uh, last weekend as you made your debut in the Arkman Arts Series race in Indianapolis. But before we talk about your debut race and, and, and everything going on in your career right now, uh, this is the first time you've been on the program. And usually when a guest is on for the first time, Love to know about where the race bug bit you, but doing some research on you, you are a third-generation driver, so pretty much for you, uh, you pretty much have been surrounded by racing your entire life. Is that correct?
3: That is correct. I have been around race cars since I can remember. I have pictures of me sitting in NASCAR trucks at, at one and two years old. So I, my family has always been involved in racing, um, even before I was born, and it's just natural for me to be involved in it as well.
1: Now, do you have any siblings, or are you an only child?
3: I'm an only child, and I'm lucky because I don't have to share race cars. <laughs> I, was
1: about to, I was about to say, so for your dad, did he, you know, usually you get pressured into doing the sport or, or, you know, since you've you kind of been at a young age. Um, did you ever feel the pressure to continue in the family tradition of getting behind the wheel and racing?
3: I don't know about um, external pressure from parents. I think it's just always been – something that I've grown up around and wanted to be involved in um, other than just being around it. I've been working on race cars since I was about 10 years old, so that's about 10 years now, and I've been driving since I was six, so about 14 years, and I think it was only natural, So no, I don't know that I felt that external pressure so much.
1: Now, being around the sport as long as you have, like you said, pretty much since birth, did you find it easy mm-hmm. to make that transition to the sports since you kind of been around it all your life and and also as a as a female? I mean, probably when you were growing up, you didn't have a lot of female drivers that you looked up to. So, who were some of the drivers that inspired you as well?
3: Yeah, so um, I'll just do a quick rundown of the history. So my my dad used to race asphalt modifieds in the '90s, um, and I'm sure before then. And then my grandpa was involved in racing. He never drove race cars himself, but he um, He helped out, and they did a lot of road course stuff. Um, He built engines and all that. Um, I think they did 24 hours of Daytona. And then from 01 to about 05, um, my dad and grandpa owned a NASCAR truck team. And then when they sold that, that's when I started getting into racing. So I had a four-wheeler. I flipped that and broke my arm. I had a Doom buggy and stripped the gears out of that. And so by then it was time for me to get a race car. And so <laughs> um, I think about five years old was when we did just an arrive and drive, one of those need for speed events for kids and quarter midgets in Topeka, Kansas. And, um, and then I was just instantly interested in all of it and loved it. So as a young female working through racing, going through racing and, knowing that there weren't a whole bunch of females in the industry. I really looked up to drivers like Pippa Mann. She's an IndyCar driver, and I met her a couple of times across my racing career, and it's been really cool to see see all of the things that she's done with our sponsors and um, and just all she's done in racing in general, and that she continues to push forward through all the adversity she's faced.
1: Speaking with uh, Mandy Chick here on this week's edition of Southern Street Radio, driver in the Arkham Menards. Series and there are so many more women that are involved in racing now this new generation of drivers and racers most of them are all female now and for you personally as you've kind of been in the sport for as you said close to a decade now and you're going to these tracks and seeing young girls in attendance maybe young girls who come to you and ask for your autograph maybe talk to you. Uh, take a picture, what's that like for you to be maybe that driver that maybe some of these young girls who go to these races now look up to and say, you know what, I want to be like Mandy, and I know if she can do it, that I can do it as well, and and what kind of advice do you give these young ladies?
3: So for me, it's really cool to be able to run across them in my racing career, first of all, because um, I want to be an inspiration for young individuals in general, but of course young females as well, and I know that I've been there one day. And I think my number one thing is just to work as hard as you can, be dedicated, um, make your passion your number one interest and number one priority. And if you do that and you continue making a little bit of progress progress every day, even through all the adversity you may face, um, then it, it really helps in the long run. It, a lot of people say room wasn't built in a day, and that is so true. Um and I've worked really hard for several years, and I've wanted to make my um, my ARCA debut for a long time. And it's just a matter of getting all the timing lined up and working really hard to make sure that this all goes well. Um, and so it's it's been several years now that I've every day just made a little bit of progress towards my ARCA debut. And it, paid off this past weekend and it's the most incredible feeling
1: tell me about it let's go back to last friday your first race in the arkman art series what was it like preparing and getting ready for that race
3: yeah so we are a we're a small family-owned team all of our um or i should say most of our crew members are volunteers and we have two or three people in the race shop that regularly prep our race cars so it's it's a very small operation out of a small town in um, in Kansas City. It's called Desoto, and it's right in our backyard. Have worked really hard, especially since October when we put our program on hold and saw that ARCA was really a feasible venture for our race team. So I haven't been before this weekend. I hadn't been in a race car since October, and we've worked since then on liquidating our asphalt late model program and moving over to. Um, to ARCA equipment, buying an ARCA program, all of that. So it's been a lot of work because we handle all of it. I handle all of my own PR. So not only am I trying to learn the race car and learn about the geometry, because that's something that I'm really passionate about, is knowing the engineering of the race car. But I've also had to deal with all of the, I say had like it's a bad thing. It's not at all. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. But dealt with um, dealing with fans on getting hero cards out to them because we started getting requests even before the race and getting press releases done and doing social media posts and making sure that people know that this is happening and bringing value to our marketing partners as well. So there are so many different um, aspects of a big debut like this past weekend that a lot of people don't realize, but um, it's exciting too. It's it's a whole lot of activity
1: Now, Mandy, if our listeners want to follow you on social media, keep up with your progress and your schedule racing wise, uh, where can they go to get all that information?
3: Yeah, so my website is mandychick.com, Mandy with a Y, and Chick, C H I C K. And then you can look me up on Facebook just by looking up my name, and it'll be the athlete page that you can like. And then Twitter and Instagram
1: are at Mandy Colchick.
3: Hi, I'm Nick Sanchez, driver of the number two Maxi Glink Chevrolet, and you're listening to Southern Race Week.
1: All right, welcome back to this brand new week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far-flung Southern Race Week Radio network It's We thank you so much for tuning in to the Southern Race Week Radio broadcast as we had another exciting jam-packed episode for you. This, uh, this fine day. And if you'd like to go back and listen to it all over again or listen to any of our previous episodes of Southern Race Week Radio, where well, you can do so via the podcast, this edition will be available for you on Monday at iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So head on over to one of those respective podcasting sites, go to the search, type in Southern Race Week, find us, listen to us, download us, and also subscribe to the podcast as well. So we really appreciate all you loyal podcast listeners who tune in and listen to the podcast every week. And also you loyal radio listeners for listening to the program every weekend along the far-flung Southern Race Week radio network. Uh, Don't forget about the uh, social media sites. You can uh, like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Southern Race Week, or you can follow us on Twitter at SRW Radio, you'll always get the latest in racing news and information there uh, if you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Don't forget about the email address. Email us anytime at SRW Radio at yahoo.com. That is SRW Radio at yahoo.com. And uh, once again, I want to thank our great guest for joining us this week uh, Kevin Lee, pit reporter for NBC coverage of IndyCar Racing. Director of Operations for the Car Tour Series, Keeley Dubinsky. And also a short track driver, Mandy Chick. So we appreciate those great guests joining us this week here on Sunday Race Week Radio. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll catch back up to you next week right here on Sunday Race Week Radio, one of the far-flung Sunday Race Week Radio Network.
0: No matter what you think, hold, oh, you'll find it's not enough.